That's interesting. Um, one of my scriptures uh, today, Richard, <laughs> is um, uh, from 1 Corinthians 10 um, and uh, uh, Paul talking about how they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them in the wilderness. And that rock was Christ. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, one of it's, it was interesting. I always love how this Holy spirit dovetails things. Um, and, uh, some of the things that Suzanne spoke out while leading worship. I just want to pray and um, invite the Holy Spirit to, to say what he wants to come out today. So, Father, I just thank you for the grace and the glory of the gospel. I thank you that it is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you that the cross is the central point of all history for all cultures, for all races, for all time that things, everything changed at the death and the resurrection of your son and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the enormity and the complexity and the thoroughness of your plan for all mankind, for all time, in that it's your love, God. It's your love that motivated you to bring this earth into being and to populate it with people and to make a way for us to be part of your forever family. And so we just thank you. I ask you that you would um, lead us and guide us and give us a hunger and thirst for your righteousness and your truth and form us into the image of Jesus, even as you have committed yourself to do. And um, bring us, Father, to maturity and new strength and new grace in your son by the holy spirit we ask it in the name of jesus amen amen so at uh, one point suzanne was talking about uh, this morning soul satisfaction and it's been it's been a word that a uh, phrase that has been uh deep in my in my heart and spirit and um and then i i was talking with someone about uh walking in the spirit and cultivating our inner life. And, and the, I, you know, I kind of sat with the Lord for a long time, just reading scriptures and mulling over thoughts. And I, and I, and the Lord brought me back to the a starting point, which honestly kind of surprised me. But once I got working it through with him, um, didn't once I understood and he took me back to um, Matthew 11 and I'll, I'll just read this Matthew 11, 25 to 30 for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son determines to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. And I think pretty much everybody would find that uh, particular scripture, particularly the last three verses, very familiar, very familiar. In fact, it was on the wall of our dining room at the church um, for the Joshua Project. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And um, we, we, we often have that in our heads as an evangelistic um, reach out to the needy sort of uh, verse. And the Lord took me back to this verse. The context of Matthew 11 is that John the Baptist was just executed. So they're all, everybody's a little shaken up. Jesus is sorrowful. He was a, like a cousin to John the Baptist. And um, Jesus actually reprimands the people, or he says to his disciples, woe to all these places where I've just performed all these amazing miracles and brought this teaching from heaven woe to them. It'll be worse for them than it will be for Sodom. And, you know, you're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> that's a, that seems like a pretty heavy word. So he says, you know, all these places where I've been performing miracles and showing that I am the son of God, I am God, and people are not listening, that will not go well for them. And then he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, to Peter says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, they, they were always reminding people of things that you might think are fairly basic and elementary. And uh, there's a reason for that. We all need to be reminded of the things that are basic and elementary. We don't need deeper teaching. We need a deeper relationship. <laughs> with Jesus, right? We don't need deep teaching. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We need a deep relationship so that the gospel becomes powerful in us and works in us and through us. So I'm reminding you of these things. I was thinking of maybe Bob or Don might know who, who said this, um, but there was a famous football coach who held up a football to his team and said, this is a football. You guys know who that was? Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Okay. My husband knows. <laughs> Vince Lombardi <clears throat> was the coach of the Green Bay Packers. And he first, he was so tired of the, the team losing and he gets onto the, the field and he says to these, you know, professional athletes, this is a football. And what his principle was, was if you don't, if we don't get the basics right, you know, throwing, catching, running, we will not win the game. And so the, the Apostle Paul often goes back to basics and says, we just need to remind ourselves of the basics. The book of Deuteronomy is all about remember, 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 don't forget the basic things, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if that's all you had and we remembered it, we would be okay. So <clears throat> Jesus says these things, um, which sound fairly basic, 
but um, I just wanted us to go through them because they're so foundational and fundamental. The first thing he says is in the uh, 28 to 30, come to me, come to me. He doesn't say, go do something. Sometimes what is not said is almost as important as what is say, said. And he says, come to me, not, you know, not go to school, not get a job, not go visit your neighbor, not, you know, give away all your money. The first thing that we do is come to him. That's so basic, right? It's so very elementary. But I got to tell you what, if you're a normal person, which I know none of us are totally, <laughs> that's why we all get, get along, right, in the family of God. If your brain uh, tends to run like mine and run and run and run and run, and you got so much going on in your head, sometimes it takes us a very long time to realize that we've been spinning around in our brain and we haven't gone to Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I at least got two hands or three out there. Good, good. So sometimes we're getting upset and stressed about something. And we've already come to Jesus, obviously, right? We've, we're born again. We're filled with the spirit. But there is a consciousness and an awareness of saying, I'm not at this moment walking by the spirit in the spirit through the spirit's enablement. And I need to just drop down into my spirit and say, Lord, I come to you. And this moment, I consciously, intentionally come to you. And he says, let everybody, it's actually a command too, right? It's an imperative. Like if I say, go, come, stop, you know, it's a command. <clears throat> it's an imperative, come to me. So he, uh, he makes himself the source. And this is so incredibly important. And, you know, when I talked about um, God in uh, Hosea, God saying, and I will allure her into the desert and there I will give her vineyards. He is the source of life. So he says, all you who are weary, and you know, Jesus's choice of words is always so precise and exact and important. And he says, you know, if you're weary with toilsome labor, maybe it's self-effort, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're grieving, you're sad, maybe you're purposeless, you're weary. Well, that sounds like the world, but that can also sound like the church at times. And he says the solution is the same come to me and and if you're heavy laden and this is a word that means loaded down and sometimes we take on the burdens of others guess who was famous for loading people down with burdens in Jesus's time it was the religious teachers Jesus said you experts in the law Woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And then you yourselves will not lift a finger to help them. Walking with God wasn't supposed to be burdensome. In fact, in 1 John 5, it says, your commands are not burdensome. God, God is uh, 
don't know if I get the, get the verse right there. For this is the love of God, the love of God, that we keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So that the walking with God, if we start with come to me, will not be burdensome. Religion is burdensome. And so that's sort of what Richard was talking about was in our understanding of the Lord's Supper, extra fences have been built around that, which made it burdensome and made it a requirement for you to be without sin before you could come and take the very thing that helps you be know that you're in Christ and be empowered to walk and, and to obey, which is Holy Communion. So um, religion will always place burdens on us, which are heavy and unattainable, really, and keep us from freedom. Jesus is all about freedom, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God isn't about burdening us. So he says, come to me, all, all. <laughs> That's the best kind of inclusive. Nobody's excluded, but we all have free will, right? All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest is a huge concept in the scriptures. God is all about rest. Where's the first rest mentioned? Anybody? Genesis 1. What's that? Genesis 1. Will I read that for us, then? Uh, find it. It wouldn't take long. Okay, thanks. I don't think it's Genesis. It's not one one, but it's in the beginning. <laughs> okay, just tell me when you got it. Uh, I got it. It's actually okay. it's actually Genesis two. Yeah. Yeah. Genesis two one to two. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So, so rest. He worked for seven days. He created the earth. He put the man in there and the woman, everything was very good. And then he rested and he instituted a Sabbath, a Shabbat, which actually means rest. So he actually says, um, <clears throat> it shall be for you a Shabbat of Shabbaton, a day of rest of rest. <laughs> so Sabbath, a Sabbath is rest. So you rest, you're supposed to rest on the day of rest. And God, why? Because God did, because he knows that it's good for us. And rest, you know, interesting, because God put Adam in the garden to keep it and to tend it and to work, right? So work is not meant to be burdensome when we're in communion with God. But after they, they sin came into the world, then they were toiling and sweating and the earth wasn't cooperating either, right? But in the Old Testament, rest meant rest from your enemies, rest from war, rest from toilsome things, uh, rest from the things that kind of chase you down and make you um, weary. So <clears throat> even the land was to rest. Do you remember this? 
the land was to have uh, a time of lying fallow to recover so it could be fruitful again. So we cannot go at 100% capacity, 110, 120, which some people do. You cannot go at full on capacity and not rest and maintain, maintain productivity. It's not the way we're built. It's not the way God designed it. So you are built to have a rest. Well, this is a, guess what this time is? <laughs> you think the earth is getting a bit of a rest right now? You think that people are getting a bit of a rest right now? God held the people of God accountable for the Sabbaths uh, that the land never knew. And he sent them into captivity so that the land would have 70 years of rest so that they never gave it. So God is, God is concerned about rest. And you can do a, a little study on that if, if that's piqued your interest. But rest is enormously important and essential to our thriving and doing well in our lives and in the kingdom. <clears throat> so Jesus then says, says, come unto me, <clears throat> all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then what does he say? Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Well, what's a yoke? What's, what does a yoke do? What's it for? Anybody? A yoke sort of bears um, a weight or a pressure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so a donkey or draft cattle or um, a woman uh, going to the well could carry two jars instead of one on her shoulder. It distributes the weight, but it enables you to labor more effectively. <laughs> right? It's built for labor. <laughs> but it will enable you to do it more effectively. So you will work and not grow as tired and weary. So Jesus says, You're, I built you for work. I put Adam in the garden and said, hey, bud, tend the garden. Now, if you're someone who loves to garden, you're just going, well, that's not work. I love the garden, right? I get energized in the garden. Work in the kingdom is not meant to be depleting us it's meant to be distributed upon us so that we become more effective and able to bear more weight why because it's not a wooden yoke it's a jesus yoke it's his yoke so jesus says all those rabbis and all those religious leaders they were putting all sorts of burdens on you that god never intended and again religion does that Pastor Bruce and I can both go, hallelujah, religion, the demands of ministry put stuff on you, right? That God maybe doesn't mean for, for just a couple of people to have. That's why there's the, the, the ministry of the, pri the priesthood of all believers. Y'all are all supposed to be priests and you are, right? You're priests of the living God. You are ministers of the gospel. You're ministers of salvation, you can get people saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? In case that's not already clear to you, feel free. Go with the Spirit of God. You can do that. Baptize people in your bathtub, whatever. We're, we're, we can't take them into church right now anyway. Baptize them in the river if they've got a wetsuit. 
I wouldn't want to be in there right now without one, but so there is a yoke. There is a, a yoke. And Jesus says, uh, this yoke will enable you to carry the load. But he says this in verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy or comfortable. Wow. The yoke of Jesus is comfortable. It's going to fit me. It's actually, it's going to be tailor made for me. The yoke of Jesus will be tailor made to me. If I come to Jesus, if I sit at his feet and my first priority is to seek the kingdom of God, not in working or trying to establish the kingdom, but being with the king of the kingdom. That's my job. My job is to know the king and to be spending time with him and to be allowing his spirit to be making me whole and filling me up. Because one of the ways, one of the words for satisfaction, a soul satisfied is satiated or full. When I eat and I've eaten enough, then I am full. And when we are, are in the Holy Spirit, when we're in God, when we're in the presence of Christ, then we will, in our spirit and our soul, we will be satisfied in him. But that's where we start. Come to me. Be full of what I have. Do you remember when Jesus said, I have food of which you know not? Now, if you've seen The Chosen, that you'll be able to picture this because he's just spoken to the woman at the well in Samaria and the guys go off to get food. And Jesus has this divine appointment with this woman who has said five husbands and the one she's with now is not her husband. And he says, I've got water, living water. You won't ever have to come and draw water again. And the disciples come back and he's talking to a woman and a Samaritan at that. And they're pretty shocked. And they offer him food. They're like, Rabbi, eat something. He says, I've got food of which you do not know. And that's coming to Jesus. That's the source. That's, and the rest of the rest of that, I don't know if I can find, um, find the rest of that verse. Um, the rest of that is, um, let's see if I can find it. My food is to do. Just let the train, let's get to let the engine go by. There we go. John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So the will of God is for, for us to accomplish the work for which he sent us. And that will, that will satiate us. That will satisfy us. But it starts with being in him abiding in him come to me so he says his yoke is easy and comfortable the jews had the burden of the law you know they were they, it, it was a burden for them but jesus or john in uh, john 1 john 5 says that the commandments are not burdensome because now they're written on our hearts and jesus says <clears throat> learn from me Come and take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
And if you think about this, it's not a, it's again, it's not a typical thing to say for a rabbi, come to me and I will teach you and I am qualified and I am well-educated or I'm very experienced or something, but Jesus, Jesus uses an I am statement here that says, I am meek and I am humble. And the disciples must have been kind of thinking, mm, so how does that qualify you to be a rabbi? <laughs> like what, what, how are those qualifications? But Jesus says, I'm, uh, even though I was God, I humbled myself and became a servant and not just a servant, but a servant who came and served and then died a criminal's death. He's so humble. He made himself the lowest of the low. And he says, learn from me. So true confessions, when I am not walking in the spirit and not at peace, oftentimes it's an issue of pride. Now you can just weigh that out for yourself, whether or not that applies to you. But if we are offended, we think we haven't been treated properly, what's at the basis of that? That is pride saying, I deserve better, right? So you can check your heart on that one with the Lord, but oftentimes it's because we are not meek and not humble. And like we've said multiple times, a dead man can't be offended. You know, if I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2.20. Then I can't be offended because I'm dead. The flesh is dead. And that's all you can do with flesh because flesh will never be satisfied. Read Romans 6 and 7. The flesh will never be happy. The flesh will try to rule you and drive you and make you earn your way and uh, you just want to re remind that flesh that it is crucified it was nailed to the cross so jesus says i am <clears throat> gentle i'm meek i'm humble in contrast to the rabbis that the guys would have known then he's, he's very approachable he's as approachable to the repentant sinner as to the weary saint even though we've been born again and brought from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the sunny loves, we grow weary, we grow tired, we get sad, we get overwhelmed. And yet Jesus says, come here, come here, <laughs> run to me, run to me. You know, I have a, I have a, our youngest son living at home right now. And uh, he's, <laughs> he just sometimes needs a lot of hugs. He's a very huggy guy. So here's the big six foot four kid that comes to mommy, right? And comes and just come to me. And I'm just sometimes just hold him. And, you know, that needs to be Jesus for him. Um, but it's a step, right? It's a step where he, he needs to realize that only in Christ, only in Christ, am I going to find that soul satisfaction that says, I need some restoration. I need some affirmation. I need some peace. I need to know I'm loved. And I'm going to mention in my kids here, but um, I've been, who doesn't love being a grandma? If you're a grandparent, you know, right? So um, little Telvi, she's five months old now. And 
you know, at that stage, if mama gets out of sight, babies sometimes panic. And I watched Kirsten and Talvi and I just, I just learned so much. I just learned so much about the father. And when Talvi starts to get excited because Kirsten's out of sight, Kirsten will come and she says, the first thing I do is I make her look at me. And then I say her name. And I said, that's the father. That's what the father does. The father says, Sue, yoo-hoo, up over here, Sue, let me get your attention here. Eyes on me, eyes on me. Come on, I'm right here. Oh, be aware, be aware. The father is there and he's calling our name and he's calling our name. And as soon as we, we hear the father speak to us through the Holy Spirit and say, I've got this, I've got you. Your job is to keep your focus on me. Your job is to keep your eyes on me. Don't go panicking. Don't go to freak out. Don't, you know, take this on yourself. You come to me, look at me, focus on me, and then we will get through this together. I've got it, not you. I've got you. You've got me. That's what you need, me. <laughs> so come to me. What are, the, what are the things that Jesus says? And, you know, Isaiah said of Jesus, Isaiah 42, 3, a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. Jesus says, come to me, put on my yoke, learn from me, and then what? <clears throat> Find rest for your souls. You know, Romans 6, 7, and 8 talks about the flesh and walking in the spirit. And that peace is, is always that, is, is the guide. Peace keeps and guides our hearts, guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. When your peace level drops, that's when like your engine light comes on and says, running low on oil, running low on Holy Spirit. Drop down in your spirit and let Jesus get your attention. Look at me, hear him say your name and reorient yourself. Peter says this incredible thing in 2 Peter 1. And we're just about, uh, we're just studying this. We just started in uh, 2 Peter in the Wednesday Bible study. His divine power has given us, past perfect, everything we need for life and godliness i'm going to say that again his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him <clears throat> who called us by his own glory and excellence through these he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them, you may become, dun, 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 get this, partakers of the divine nature. Who says that? Nobody says that but God, that you might become partakers. Isn't it interesting that when we take the Lord's Supper, we often use that word that we probably don't use anywhere else. Let us partake of the elements, which actually means in that case, you're consuming it, but to participate in the body and the blood of Christ, to participate 
in the divine nature. This is actually a word for partner. Gordon and I are partners. Jesus and you are partners. This is incredible. God shares his divine nature. Peter and Andrew and James and John were partners in the fishing venture. God says, I'm going to partner with you uh, and give you divine nature. That's God nature. Nobody else but God. And then he, 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 he shares it with us. So <clears throat> we have this incredible opportunity to partner with God. But if we start with the partnering part, we will never walk into what he really wants us to walk into. We have to start with the abiding part and know who we are, know whose we are, walk in peace, walk in rest, and then we will have ears attuned to hear and receive. How do I, how can I say such a categorical thing as we will never walk into the true purposes of God? Well, let me read you some of the rest of 1 Corinthians 10, very sobering. And uh, <clears throat> as we, when we read through 2 Peter the other day, Terry Joe had this great word. I said, how are we feeling about 2 Peter? And Terry Joe says, ominous. Yeah, some scripture is kind of ominous, but we need the whole counsel of God. We need all of scripture. It's all there. The fathers sat down together and said, this is the canon of scripture. These are the things that the Holy Spirit has said to the whole church for all time. So let me just read you this. It's a little, it's a bit sobering, but remember, remember um, where we're going with this. So 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 5, Paul says, um, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea. So this is coming out of Egypt through the sea, the cloud and the fire that led them in the wilderness. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to us to keep from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters. And we've heard this word recently in a prophetic word, as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. So if you saw the progression there, there was idolatry, sexual immorality, and grumbling. Okay. So um, <clears throat> sin is sin. <clears throat> God didn't appreciate that. They were grumbling when they had bread from heaven and water from the rock every day. And this is exactly what, what Richard was talking about with uh, disdaining the elements and what Christ has given us through the cross and acknowledging that in the Lord's Supper. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us 
get this phrase, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. And we love that part about the temptation, don't we? We love that God will, will find a way out. But that Deuteronomy says, he fed you, people of God, in the wilderness with manna that your fathers had not known in order to humble you and test you so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. His heart is always for the best for us. His heart is to bring us into fullness. So one more, Nehemiah 9.15, <clears throat> in their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. This is Nehemiah. In their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. Okay, so the prophets <clears throat> after that are always going to recount this wilderness time. They're always going to bring it back to the memory of the people of God and say, don't do the same thing. You know, we had, we had the miracles of Egypt, um, but don't do the same, make the same mistake they did. You gave them bread from heaven in their thirst. You brought them water from the rock and you told them to go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give to them. So what does all that mean? You know, I finished reading that section and I, the Lord said to me, provision proceeds possession. God has so many promises and such an incredible inheritance for the people of God. And he says, don't disdain the small things. Don't disdain the things for which I, the things I have provided, because that provision the correct response to your provision <clears throat> and walking in it and understanding it and growing in it and trusting him will enable me to take you into the fullness of what I have for you, which was an, the whole land, the whole promised land. They had to go in and continue to partner with God to conquer the land, didn't they? It wasn't a done deal. He doesn't do it for us. He does it with us. He does it through us. But he wants to uh, take us into the fullness of what he has for us. Psalm 107 says, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. So again, 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence out of soul satisfaction, <clears throat> out of come to me, and I will give you rest, comes fruitfulness. Out of intimacy comes fruitfulness. Out of our time spent with him, knowing him, honoring him, just being with him and understanding his heart, then he will be able to lead us into the purposes he has Otherwise, we're kind of like going off doing our own things. It's incredible to me that in the middle of the wilderness, the people were still were subject to idolatry. In the middle of the wilderness, you know, they had all the gold that they clothing they'd taken from Egypt. It's all about always about our hearts, isn't it? 
In the Old Testament, to eat and be filled, to eat and be satisfied was part and parcel of the covenant promises of blessing. To eat and not be satisfied was a curse. So you are built to eat. You are built to be full, both in the natural and in the spirit, which is also why fasting is so incredibly powerful, because then we say we're going to actually forego the things that satisfy our body so we can just be satisfied in our spirit. We are partakers of the divine nature. And um, one of the ways is what we just celebrated in the body and blood of Jesus. So um, soul satisfaction, living out of fullness. When I am the most content in God, he is the most glorified through me. And he is able to lead me into his purposes and his plans. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. So let's <clears throat> Father, we, we thank you that you built us for um, knowing you and being full of you and being fully satisfied in you. Thank you that you have everything we need for life and godliness in, in Christ Jesus. We have it, Lord, in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would um, invite us into the dance. Lord, I always think of couples, uh, couples figure skating and what a beautiful um, image it is of two being different and moving together, sometimes separate and coming back together with their differing roles and their differing uh, gifts. And yet the harmony and the beauty of it and the discipline of it is so effective and beautiful. And so Lord, I pray that you would teach us to partner with you through the Holy Spirit, Lord, to um, come to you at all times, Lord, and to, um, to live a life that is uh, fully yielded to you and taking upon us the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. Thank you, God, for your incredible patience as you walk with us as we learn and that your Holy Spirit um, will get us there, Lord. So we just say yes. We say yes to you, Lord, in our hearts. We say yes. And we thank you that you who began the good work in us will carry it on com to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>